Good morning. Uh, thank you to our latest episode of Coffee with the Commissioner. Uh, today's guest is Debbie Jones from the Corner House Hughes Property. Good morning. Thank morning. You thank you for having me. Right. Um, Debbie, I, I know a little bit about you because obviously mm-hmm. I visited the project, but for our listeners, um, who are you? Where are yeah. you from? So I'm Debbie Jones um, and I'm sort of Teesside, Cleveland, born and bred. So born in Stockton and, and lived here my whole life. Dalliances have worked in other areas, but um, Teesside's got my heart and also me in person as well. Okay. Where was school for you then? So school, I went to, um, well, it's the Grangefield Academy now, but it was Grangefield School in Stockton. It's changed a lot since I was there. But, um, but yeah, that was that was my school experience. And then I went to the Sixth Farm College that was just around the corner. Um and then, and then again, stayed in Teesside, went to Teesside University as well. So at university, and what did you study at uni? Human behaviour is my, uh, I don't want to say obsession, but it is definitely my interest, that's where I was being. So I did psychology and criminology um, at, at university and just, just loved it, absolutely loved it. Um, fascinated with why people do the things they do, um, what motivations are, what drives people, um, and which obviously transcends into my work now as well. So the uni's got a great reputation for its criminology degree and things mm. like that. So with the psychology aspect, what what element of that do you think appeals to you? What? Social psychology is is the thing that really interests me. Um, and the criminology element has always been very much about, and one of those, I think it's quite popular at the moment, isn't it? You know, like the serial killer kind of documentaries and things, a lot of people watch those. But for me, yeah, it's interesting, but it's always about, what happened to them? Because I refuse to believe that a baby is born into this world predisposed for, but whatever we want to call it, violence, evil or anything like that. Something's happened at some point to make that person take that path. So that's 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 where it is for me, that that what is what has gone on in their probably very early life that has made them get to this point. And that's really what interests me. I was, we're, we're doing a, a bit of a work with a project with Redcorn Cleveland Council at the minute around this whole sort of pre-birth to, to five mm-hmm. debate where just, I'm assuming that's something you've come across previously. What What's your thoughts on, do you really think children that young, that that's where we make such a massive difference to their future lives? I do. I really do. Um, I mean, you'll be aware of attachment theory and, and, and how that, can impact people well into their adult life throughout their entire life, I think. And that, that I mean, pre-birth, that, that is a... It's a bit newer, isn't it, people talking about that in, in utero and, and what effect that is. But in terms of not to two, creating that secure attachment with an adult, doesn't necessarily have to be, have to be mum and dad, but somebody who is safe, secure and present, I think is absolutely huge. And I think... We can, it's not to say that once you pass two, that's it, someone's done for, you know, that if they haven't had that secure attachment, but it, it, it will have an impact and we'll have to go back to that point and try and um, create, create some other trusting high quality attachments so they can heal that because I think it absolutely does have an impact. Whether people are always aware of that, yeah, you know, and, you know, maybe people who, who've been in care or adopted and things like that there might not even be a conscious memory of a trauma but the body keeps score i love that book <laughs> the body keeps score. Um, but that that's it i think it just you know we we hold on to those things and they really do impact 
passion for psychology, mm-hmm. passion for people. Yes. Right. How does that lead into youth work for you then? Well, I had a bit of a sort of weird trajectory into youth work. So I had um, did my uh, university degree and wanted to do counselling psychology. Unfortunately, the master's was extortionately expensive. There was no bursaries. So I, I needed to get a job. Um, so I ended up going and doing a, a graduate programme um, in retail. Didn't love retail. Wasn't for me, but... It was a baptism of fire in that I got loads of really good management experience and people experience just being thrown into loads of different, quite difficult often scenarios. Um, so I did that for a few years. I was in retail. You learn a lot about people in retail. Yes. yes. People, customer service, how to work with, and people, customers, but teams of people. And it was an especially difficult me as, as a recent graduate, fairly young, going into established teams and saying, right, I'm your manager. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was a tricky situation, so I learned a lot from that. Um, but then it wasn't, it didn't like my fire. It, yeah. it wasn't my passion. Um, so I, I left that job with nowhere else to go to, really. I just kind of said, I need to I need to go and have a rethink. Cornhouse, where I am now. I mean, it was obviously a very different role to what I'm doing now. But uh, at the time, we had an alternative education provision. Yeah. So all the kids who were either school exclusions or who are still on the school role dangling by a thread um, but need to be educated outside of school it's it's the kids that that really need your help that really need help and, and and on some occasions that nobody else will work with okay so corner house that's where you are now yeah. so who or what is corner house so corner house is a youth project so by that i mean that we provide youth services which can be open access, open access meaning if you are the age that we work with, which is 8 to 19, you can show up, you don't need to pay, uh, you don't need to ref- be referred, you rock up and you can come and you can attend. We also do targeted services, so that's for young people who might have a particular issue, so they might be involved with the criminal justice system or they might be having anxiety issues at school or something like that. So we do targeted programmes, but we also... our Baseline bread and butter stuff is that open access youth work, youth clubs that you've you've been over over yeah. to see. If you if you don't know youth work, it's sometimes difficult to understand how important that is for some kids. Um, we do more than just open a community centre, play a bit of pool, make them a hot chocolate, and send them home. The wraparound pastoral support that goes alongside that takes up the vast majority of our time. My time as a as a CEO. Lucy Bentley, who's our operations manager, her time in terms of safeguarding, it's it doesn't stop when the session stops. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, and we were talking so the importance of that, we I know when I was there last, um, we were chatting about potentially families who are, have been completely off the grid un, until you come across them. And yeah. that's that's you that's been a particular problem you've seen in Stockton, isn't it? You want to give us an example of that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we are, the demographic, it, one of the areas that we're working, um, and we do a lot of our work, is, is, is central Stockton. It's the Ropner Ward. It used to be Parkfield and Oxbridge. Yeah. It's half a mile from the town centre. Awful lot of deprivation, awful lot of poverty, lots of, you know, the problems that come along, uh, come along with that unemployment, uh, drug use, all that sort of thing. And we've been in that area for 15, 15 years plus as a youth project. Um, the demographic... 
in terms of um, ethnicities and people's background has really changed recently. And we've got um, an awful lot of recent migrant families, um, a lot of Eastern European um, young people that come to us, um, a lot from the Roma community, so travelling communities as well. Um, and what we're finding and what we found on that one occasion that you're talking about is that there's a particular family, um, the children weren't attending school, uh, they weren't registered with a healthcare provider or a dentist or any any service. As far as statutory services were concerned, they didn't exist. Um, they'd moved from another area um, and they were just completely, completely off grid. Um, we linked them in with um, the sort of school admission service and in the process now kind of, you know, getting getting everybody into school and registering all those sorts of things. But it, that's a concern. I mean, it, I'm assuming it's a concern for statutory service as well. It's definitely a concern for us because, you know, those kids are not seen by anybody outside of sort of their family and their close-knit group. And it's not to say that there was anything, that, that means that there's anything wrong going on, but just that they're not experiencing um, any of those elements of society that you would want a child to experience. That socialisation um, and that links in with, with sort of society, as it were, is just or was not happening. Yeah. And that that side of it, so from, from a policing perspective, people, people quite often ask me sort of why we haven't got enough youth clubs, why we don't do that, and it, it's almost... Your average member of the public thinks a youth club is a silver bullet because 20, 30 years ago there was a lot of them and I think people have this idea that there was no crime because there was loads of youth clubs. <laughs> yeah. A, that's not true. Yeah. Um, but B, society is very different mm -hmm, now. Mm -hmm. So youth clubs need to be very different because lots of kids can sit at home and play on a game or text on their phone or whatever. So maybe the things that... That interaction. I remember when I was a kid, the youth club was probably the only place you'd see your friends outside of school yeah, unless you yeah. made arrangements first and foremost. Why? What do you think's really changed? That means youth clubs per se have to be different now. I mean, there's obviously the online aspect, which is massive, getting kids off screens and mm -hmm. and kind of getting them into a place. But I think, like you're saying, youth club. Everybody knew about youth club. Everybody knew that it existed, and it was it was kind of a place to congregate. For a lot of kids now who haven't attended with us previously, we're introducing the concept of a youth club to them. So they're not... A, it, it doesn't evoke any um, images in their mind of what a youth club is. It that they actually... What, well, what is it? What do you do? What happens? And you kind of like have to explain the concept to them. So I think there's, there's some of that. I think that's probably back maybe as far as definitely Gen Zers, but even some younger millennials that'll be in that, that gap of where youth provision was so low that for a lot of people knowledge it didn't exist. Yeah. Okay. So reintroducing the concept really. And and that itself, so what why would you as a as a professional youth worker mm -hmm. what are the what are the biggest benefits of that do you think? It's just it's massive. Like it's I, I I honestly think when you go to a youth club that the process that some of these kids go through is it's quite magical to, to see to see transformations and to see that the difference that it makes um a safe space especially for that area that we were talking about in central stockton is massive a safe space we we've done some kind of consultation with young people and the only place that they felt safe was school and youth club and that's home included yeah that's that's their doorstep that's their you know she's a really sad indictment it, it, it is it's massively sad but 
despite the sadness in it, from our point of view, it's extremely positive that, that they count that as a safe space. And then in addition to the safe space, it's safe people, safe adults, that maybe these children, not all, I'm not saying every kid that comes to us has, you know, had hordes of, of childhood trauma, but a lot have. Um, it's somebody who is there when they say they're going to be, follows through with the actions that they say they're going to, challenges them, but also supports them. It, it, it's that, it's, it's that sense of belonging. It's like you come here and we ask about your day and we want to know how you are and we genuinely care. And the staff do genuinely care. If you are sharing your trauma, sharing your story with somebody and you, you trust them with that and you give that to them, and then three weeks later it's a different person and you have to share the story again, and it, 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 we need that consistency and yeah. that's what's massively important. So I think youth clubs, a, a sense of belonging, I think that's what it gives, a community that some kids, and a lot of them aren't attending school as well, so so that is their only community. That's the really unique part about youth work is it's voluntary engagement. We don't tell these kids to come. We don't force them to come. They choose. Yeah. Now, you're obviously really passionate about youth work yeah. and, and that <laughs> comes across and when we've met previously, but uh, I'll hesitate to say you give me a hard time, but you were yeah. you yeah. were quite challenging in the fact that you, you don't think youth work gets enough credit for what it does, certainly yeah. within the area you work in. Why is that? I think first thing, what I've just mentioned in terms of not everybody understands the power of it. They, under, they don't understand that it's a profession. It's a skill set. Um, you know, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm going to set up a youth club. And although that's brilliant, and I love the idea of people, community groups going up and set a youth club, I think we have to be careful of the quality and and that not, you can't, you, well, you can just go and set up a youth club, but can you set up a quality provision that's safe and that you would be happy to send your child to? What's the barrier to more youth organisations? It, it sounds like I'll just repeat myself, but it's funding. On, on yeah. a lot of occasions, it's funding. Um you know, we, our service is free at point of access and it always will be. And I've, I'll, I'll, I'll die on that hill. Um, and, and a lot of people have said, so why don't you just charge him, just charge him a fiver to come or just charge him two quid to come? When we're talking about absolute abject poverty and there's four kids in the family and I'm asking them for two quid a week and there's four kids and they haven't got money to buy bread. That's a massive barrier. Why would we? Why would we create another barrier to engagement? And we won't. But we have we have got an issue with the workforce in terms of not an issue with the workforce, an issue with uh, a, not, a, not an abundance of youth workers. Do you think I'm not I'm not a fan of of shed loads of massive academic qualifications mm -hmm. for for lots of jobs? I, I I get the need in in some restrictions for for learning, but do, do you think that barrier that educational things so do you think that puts people off for us and i can only speak for us from a kind of recruitment point of view it isn't a barrier so i don't recruit like qualifications most of our staff started without a formal youth work qualification and have got it on the job which is the best because most of the so sort of the level three level four qualifications you have to have at least some volunteering hours to be able to do it because it's yeah. a very practical qualification so i would rather recruit uh empathic enthusiastic, uh, caring, kind, somebody who's got that core of, right, I want to help young people, I want to do good, I want to support, we can we can build on the rest. Yeah. Empathy is 
I mean, people have argued this for years, haven't they? Can we teach it? I think we can build it. Yeah. I think we can increase it and open people's uh, self-awareness and that. But I think that empathy is right in your right in your car. So if I can get that just on its own, we can teach you the rest. So for us, it's not a barrier. But I do think there has to be a level of understanding of the theoretical and quality to know that you can't just rock up. We we talk we see a lot of talk about um, violence in our communities these days, yeah. like social behaviour, and and understanding what to do if a young person comes to you with that. Because one of my concerns is is violence is is being normalised amongst mm. young people. Yeah. What they see on the TV, what they see on video games, but but more and more what they see on the streets. And you've had some experience of that. Yeah, I mean. Again, I'll, I'll go back to the to the central Stockton region because that has, as as most city centre or town centres do, higher levels of, of violence than most. And we, the reason we work in there, doing the police and crime commissioner work, is because the ASB levels there are higher than the kind of the rest of the borough. Um, children are that living in that area, specifically if you're familiar with Stockton, kind of the. Hartington Road, um, there's a lot of um, sort of hostels in that area, an awful lot of drug and alcohol misuse. Um, they're seeing violence on a daily basis. And a lot of the kids we work with live on that street. Yeah. So they're walking past it, they're stepping over um, people who are unconscious through drug and alcohol misuse. They are witnessing kind of fist fights in the street, fights with weapons. So the example I know that Lucy gave last time um, that we spoke to you um, was about a young person who who had experienced um, witnessed a fatal, fatal stabbing, um, and she spoke about it with such nuance and um, just there was there was no kind of care to it when she when she was talking. It was so normal. It was like and when she you say young person, how old was she? She was eight, um, and she'd witnessed this. This person being stabbed, who who later died, um, and you would expect a child to be in floods of tears, um, you know, needing comfort. Um, I don't know, in shock, really. And and there was none of those things that were visible. It was just talked about as though she was talking about, oh, what was your day like? Oh, you know, I saw someone got stabbed. And then we we have to bring it to them and say, do you understand that that's not that's a really that's a really difficult thing to have seen that's really traumatic um how do you how do you feel about that it's kind of we're, we're presenting it back to them because it's just i wouldn't say it's over the head because i don't think anybody can experience that and it'd be over your head yeah. but i think it's stored and put in a box somewhere with probably some other childhood trauma mm. and just packed away because we talk about kids having resilient resilience and these kids that we work with <laughs> are so incredibly resilient. It, you know, we say about teaching resilience, they've got it in shed loads. They don't yeah. need any more resilience. They need to work through the stuff that's there. Yeah. If we had a young person who we believed needed um, some professional therapeutic intervention, psychotherapy, uh, some sort of talking therapy, we'd refer we'd refer into that. But it it's not therapy, but it is therapeutic, the work yeah. that we do. Um, we've got an allotment um, on our site that you've been to. Um, and we have a well-being group with a group of young people who are struggling in mainstream education for a variety of different reasons. And that is such a therapeutic space. 
it's outdoor education. They come, they do a bit of gardening, they chat, they eat, and they offload. So do you think in the small area you've worked with, mm-hmm. do you think we have contributed to reducing antisocial behaviour in that area? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it, the figures are sometimes difficult, aren't you? Yeah. you? You're better off hearing a story, and I think that's what we're, you know, we're talking about, where young people are um, truly engaged. We've got groups of young men especially, uh, and, and we know that organised crime in, in that particular area is, is, is a, real, a real problem, who would not speak, acknowledge, take hoods down for youth workers 12 to 18 months ago. Now they're sitting down on benches, having conversations, popping into the youth club, not staying, but you know what I mean? They're coming in, they're checking in and stuff. That's massive. And I think we underestimate the progress and the legwork that that has taken from staff to build those relationships, that relentlessness, that consistency of... I know you've done that, and I know you've stolen that car, and I know you've done... They're doing they're doing some naughty things, but underneath all those layers, we're saying, we don't agree with your behaviour, but we still like you, and we want you to keep coming back. And that's it. It's people, like, they're checking, they're checking to see, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to push you this far, and will you still care? Yeah, we will. We might not like it, but we'll still be there, and we'll still care. And it's that, that building that is just... that can That can change lives, that. But how do we get that message across? Because you speak to the average member of the Teesside mm-hmm. public and that young man that's just put a brick through a car window, mm-hmm. they want him locking up. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So so how do we change? What what do we say to people that says your way is better than locking people up? We're not saying everybody who has childhood trauma is going to end up like that. But what we're saying is it doesn't excuse the behaviour, but it helps us understand it. It helps us understand the reason. And I think... We need to do. We need to. We need to humanise young people again because they are. When you don't know the stories, it's very easy to say, "He's a list. He's a little this, that, and the other." And where's his parents? And and make all those things. But when you sit down and you hear the tragedy of the stories of of probably the worst offenders of the young people, it makes people soften a little bit, mm. and and say, you know, oh, okay then. Well, let's, if we deal with some of that stuff that's going on, you know, I, I think I, I, well, I, I love a quote, but I've used it all the time. It, they're burning, the, they're burning the, t- the cities, the towns down to feel the warmth because they don't feel warmth. They need warmth. They need to be cared for. And I know people think that's a little bit fluffy and a little bit, you know, excusing behaviour. It isn't. It's just saying we've tried zero tolerance. We've tried, we haven't got space to lock them up and, and throw away the key. So we're going to have to try something else, yeah. and it's going to take time. But we do have to find a balance between consequence and and support. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, high challenge, high support. Yeah. We're not saying when, you know, little Johnny twocks a car, we come in and goes, "Ee, that was great. You did a lovely yeah. job." We're saying that is not okay. That isn't okay. But we're also saying, but we still want to see you. Yeah. We're not. We're not saying you cannot attend our service anymore. Yeah. We're saying, I know you've done that and that's that's really, really not okay and we need to work on that, but you're still welcome. Okay. What do you see the future for Corner House being? Oh, we just love... I mean, we, we kind of... We only work in a very small area and I would, even just to replicate what we're doing in Stockton Town Centre, I would love to see that in a few more wards across the area. You know, we don't want to... We don't want to get too massive because what we do, the key of it is that we've got that 
that close knit, that 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 connection with the community that you work with. And when things sometimes blow up and get too big too soon, you lose that. So I wouldn't ever want to lose that. Um, but I would love to have an impact for more young people. So I would love us to be able to work in, in more areas. Final question. All right, complete curveball for you. <laughs> um, tell us something about yourself or the Corner House Youth Project that nobody else knows, or very few people know. I'm a very anxious person, and I do this sort of stuff, and I love I love doing this sort of stuff, but that I kind of feel the fear and do it anyway. And if anybody is particularly anxious and struggling with anxiety, just keep pushing, keep doing it, um, even though you feel scared because once you've done it, it feels wonderful. That's another great book. By the way. <laughs> yeah. I should have just asked you for book choices, no. shouldn't I? So, um, thank you very much. Thank That's you. That's been really enlightening. Um, Connor's Youth Project is fantastic, and like I said, I've been a couple of times now, and it's great to see the kids are the kids are happy. I think that's the thing that strikes for me whenever yeah. I've been. Mm-hmm. The kids are happy and what you're doing is working. Mm-hmm. If people want to get in touch with the Corner House Youth Project, where can they find you? Yeah, so we're on fa- we're a bit a bit behind, really, because we're on Facebook. We are on TikTok, but I can't work it. But our, our <laughs> younger colleagues can. So we're on Facebook, just Corner House Youth Project. Um, we're also on Instagram and on TikTok. Um, and I, I'm, I'm happy to share my work email as well. Just get in touch if you want to learn more, if you want to come and see us, if you want to be a youth worker, Whatever. We want more people to know about youth work and know its power. So all welcome. Great. Thank you very much. So this has been Coffee with the Commissioner, um, brought to you in these fantastic studios at Flock Middlesbrough. And we'll see you again next time. Thank you. Thank you.